Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. It's August 18th. I'm your host, Gabriela Silva-Ponte. Today, we'll be covering stories from the CNE's opening to an Indigenous corridor to a Rastafest celebration. But first, let's take a look at today's top news. Former Rogers CEO Joe Natale is suing the company for wrongful dismissal and a breach of contract. CP24 reports he alleges that Rogers chairman Edward Rogers carried out, quote, malicious, high-handed, and oppressive conduct. Natale accuses Rogers and his wife, Suzanne Rogers, of trying to, quote, tarnish his reputation after his termination in 2021, according to a statement of claim filed with the Ontario Superior Court of Justice on Thursday. It adds that the couple hired actor Brian Cox to create a, quote, demeaning video about Natalie that they allegedly distributed and was later reported on by media. CP24 reports Natalie's spokesman Bill Walker said in a statement, It is unfortunate that Rogers will not honor its commitment made to Mr. Natalie, which were used to guarantee that the Shaw merger was seamless. Rogers did not reply to a request for comment from CP24. A Kingston, Ontario couple is in search of their baby alpaca. CBC News reports Fergie has been missing since Tuesday. The Kriya is about one month old and went missing while the couple was away from Willow Pond Farms at the beginning of the week. Darren Van Winkle and his wife, Teddy Brown, described Fergie as, quote, gentle and, quote, friendly. Van Winkle said, The biggest fear and concern really is for her health. She's young. She needs her mother's milk. She needs to be able to get the nutrition that she needs to grow and to stay healthy. CBC reports the couple has sheep, goats, chickens, horses, pigs, a mini donkey, and 10 alpacas on their farm. Van Winkle says that although they have lost livestock to predators before, this did not seem to be the case because there is usually a commotion and signs of struggle left behind. The couple looked for coyotes by foot and by tractor, but have not found evidence of any. But they have said it is possible someone stole Fergie. Van Winkle said, They're very gentle animals, are very curious, especially the babies. They may have just come down, scooped her up, and drove off with her. CBC reports Kingston Police confirmed that they received a theft report from the couple. Van Winkle and Brown have also posted on social media in the hopes that it would reach someone who has seen the alpaca. Van Winkle said Fergie is special because she came after a tough winter full of stillbirths and miscarriages for the alpacas. He said, they're always happy to kind of come over and nose your hand and say hi. They're just friendly animals, very gentle. CBC reports a farmhand who looked after the farm while the couple was gone also said that while Fergie was there on Monday night, she was gone the next day when he returned. City officials said in a news release today that Toronto is starting its fifth pothole endeavor this weekend. City crews will be working from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so drivers and cyclists are asked to remain vigilant and expect minor delays. CTV reports repairs take 15 to 20 minutes and cost $25 each to complete. This is a part of Toronto's pothole repair budget for 2023, which is $4.6 million. CTV News reports city crews will work to fix potholes on Toronto expressways, major roads, and even neighborhood streets. 
According to the latest data, the city has repaired more than 135,000 potholes since the start of 2023. The city reports potholes occur because water becomes trapped under a road's top asphalt layer. When this water freezes and expands in the winter, the weight of vehicles breaks the asphalt. City representatives said in a news release, normally potholes can be repaired within four days of crew being made aware of them through proactive patrols and 311 service requests from residents. When there are large numbers of potholes to be repaired, they are triaged based on size and repairs are prioritized on major roads first. Ontario Indigenous leaders are asking that Housing Minister Steve Clark resign or be removed from Cabinet over his handling of the changes to the protected Greenbelt land. CTV reports the Chiefs of Ontario represents 133 First Nations. They said it was, quote, extremely worried by the issues found by the province's Auditor General. Last week, a report by the Auditor General found that the government's Greenbelt plan favored certain developers. It also found that the minister's chief of staff failed to acknowledge the possible environmental, agricultural, or financial risks of the project. Ontario Premier Doug Ford responded to the report saying there was no preferential treatment and that the government would implement 14 of the 15 Auditor General's recommendations. The chiefs of Ontario said that although they will continue to work with the ministry, they will cut their relationship with Clark until, quote, an adequate resolution of this issue has been confirmed. The chiefs have also requested a meeting with Ford and Indigenous Affairs Minister Greg Rickford to demand returning the removed parcels of Greenbelt land and reinstating environmental protections for those. CTV reports they are also calling for the Ontario Provincial Police to launch a formal investigation into the issue. Toronto's Canadian National Exhibition kicked off today. The annual event is, as always, being held at the exhibition place and will feature carnival rides, games, and food. Here are some of the things you can expect at this year's CNE, according to CTV. The Pink Floyd exhibition, Their Moral Remains, features 350 artifacts from Pink Floyd's touring career and discography. The exhibit is interactive and self-guided. It will include live performances from Pink Floyd tribute bands on select dates and hopes to expose new generations to the band and bring back its fans. The CNE will also host the Super Wheel. The Ferris Wheel is considered the tallest in North America, taking guests over 150 feet in the air. The pods are air-conditioned, glass-walled, and can accommodate up to six guests. And then there are some questionable foods to try. This year, the CNE will serve deep-fried frog legs, street corn-flavored lemonade and ice cream, a watermelon burger, pickle-flavored cotton candy, Thanksgiving poutine, and peanut butter and chocolate-flavored corn dogs. The CNE will run until September 14th. General admission tickets are $25 and discounts are available for children, seniors, and families. First Nation Coalition is embarking on a journey to create an infrastructure corridor across northern Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Ontario. 
The corridor is entitled Wawatewa Corridor, which is the Cree word meaning for northern lights. According to a press release, it, quote, seeks to support multiple infrastructure projects, the first of which is a high-voltage direct current electric power transmission line, followed by a fiber-optic network, an all-weather road, and a pipeline to transport Alberta hydrogen to tide water in Churchill. I spoke with Wawatewak Corridor Project Nation Coalition President Mark Sweeney. He described what the First Nation Coalition is. So basically it's, uh, it's made up of 35 sovereign nations and it's the formation of a coalition to embark on a major uh, energy infrastructure project and business partnership within our territory. And it includes uh, 35 nations, uh, 35, 37 uh, 35 nations and will have future welcome inclusion for First Nations and Treaty 6, Treaty 8, and Treaty 10. And he described the importance of the project. I, I think uh, First Nations, we have inherent rights and responsibility and jurisdiction on our traditional lands and waters. And we feel we have the knowledge, of course, and the capacity to build a wider to be part of the wider Canadian economy. Um, and of course, the potential of this, the Wawa Taylor project will provide sustain prosperity and economic sovereignty to First Nations and that will assist in, in addressing social and economic environmental needs. Um, but more, even more so, I think um, that uh, any uh, uh, industry development that impacts our lands and waters, we should have a uh, equity share in those benefits that come out of uh, uh, resource development and uh, I think uh, that's a fundamental shift on our past history of industry development in, in our traditional territories. And uh, we believe uh, that uh, when nations are economically sound, are economically strong and growing, that healthy First Nations uh, uh, are good for Manitobans, healthy First Nations are good for Canadians. And we are all healthier when uh, some of the most marginalized groups within Canada are growing strong and healthy from, at all levels, including the economic standpoint. Sweeney added some details about the project. So basically, the Wawatay project, the first project, is really focusing on utilizing surplus energy that is currently in the system, uh, in the Manitoba uh, water system. So it's utilizing that surplus en energy to supply uh, uh, northern Alberta with, with uh, water power energy. Uh, we are looking at a minimum of 2,000 uh, megawatts and uh, as a start. Um, so the transmission line will be our first focus, and that project uh, we are looking, uh, you know, has it been reported, uh, anywhere from 850 to uh, uh, 1,200 uh, a kilometer uh, transmission line, and uh, we are looking at, uh, you know, anywhere from four to five billion dollars, and then we are going to pursue with the, the fiber optic line. Uh, along with the all redder road and then uh, technology develops we are interested in the uh, hydrogen pipeline uh, 
in the same quarter as well. The, uh, we anticipate that the, uh, with our projections, we are looking at uh, a thousand uh, construction jobs for uh, specifically the transmission line. And uh, again, uh, you know, the transmission line will require maintenance, will require uh, indigenous stewardship, and we're looking at uh, anywhere from 200 to 400 uh, permanent jobs. You know, obviously we would like to get this project started tomorrow, but we recognize that, you know, we have environmental assessments that will have to take place. We have uh, some feasibility studies that will uh, need to take happen. And we also have some uh, indigenous land use studies that we, we need to review. And uh, so we hope that happens within the next two years. And then, uh, you know, once we have shovel back in the ground, so in 20, uh, 26, we hope to be start construction on transmission line, uh, which we anticipate or we uh, project will take anywhere from three to three to four years to complete. Um, the other components, the fighter optics, uh, the all-weather road, the hydrogen, of course, our, our feasibility studies will uh, help us determine more precise timelines. However, we uh, would like to see all those projects complete in a nine to ten year period. And Sweeney said although the coalition has not gone through the government yet, it will do so when it is time. First, I mean, uh, we have every intent to uh, engage uh, the various governments uh, and corporations as we go forward. Today, we haven't done that, and we'll do that in due course. But I, at the same time, I look at, uh, if we just look at, uh, you know, our recent history as Canadians uh, and in industry development, and you don't have to look too far if you point to just a couple of examples. You know, uh, uh, if you look at the Trans, Trans Mountain project, I mean, you see uh, delays and, uh, you know, challenges in, in moving that project forward. You see the... Uh, or if you point to uh, recent support Supreme Court uh, uh, rulings, such as the Blueberry uh, uh, BC uh, Treaty 8 uh, ruling, where you know um, you can see that you know uh, 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 when you see industry-led uh, resource development uh, projects, often you know um, uh, often leave out First Nations and the impact on First Nations. And you can see some of the challenges and when moving those projects forward, uh, uh, the results of some of those, uh, the results of some of those uh, processes. So um, in this project, I think, I mean, there's a great opportunity. This is uh, a unified uh, treaty-led, First Nation-led uh, coalition. And uh, I mean, I think, uh, governments and uh, corporations will realize, I mean, that's half the battle when you have uh, First Nations uh, you know, at the table, uh, willing to work, uh, willing to uh, partner. Um, we recognize, you know, in any uh, business or any uh, uh, project of this size, you know, there's, there's got to be some compromise, right? And uh, we recognize that. And uh, we're, uh, uh, you know, willing to have those discussions. So, uh, as I said, in due course, I uh, we'll be uh, 
engaging the uh, federal government along with the various uh, provincial uh, government bodies and uh, the regulatory bodies uh, along with uh, the various corporations. So uh, we're looking forward to it. We're eager and uh, I think... uh, um, the, you know, I think those will be uh, very good and positive discussions. Sweeney talked about some of the benefits of the Wawa Taywalk Corridor. Okay, well, let me start with some of the, just the, the, the one of the key benefits. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, one of the key benefits in this project with the Wawa Taywalk project, you have First Nations uh, leading uh, the process, and that's a benefit within itself. So I think any project when you have First Nations leading because of the inherent rights when it comes to uh, resource extraction, uh, you come up with better solutions. Uh, you put uh, appropriate mitigation measures in place uh, to ensure that people impacted by uh, the various developments are, 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 are uh, their issues and concerns uh, are addressed in, in the right time. And, and so anytime you have First Nations involved, and, and uh, I think projects, uh, can operate better, but you know, as far as benefits, I mean, we think about. Let's just talk about the First Nation benefits. I mean, currently in Canada, First Nations are a, a social ent- enterprise, and uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we manage poverty, and uh, so, and that's in part and partial with uh, a long history of uh, industry development in our territories that leave us. Uh, leave the economic disparity uh, and often, you know, with uh, very little economic growth for the First Nations that the uh, resource development impacts. So those equity rearrangements have to uh, uh, benefit uh, uh, the First Peoples in a very significant way. And uh, so in this case, I mean, with the Wawatewa project, our starting point is, uh, uh, you know, a, a, um, an equity position that uh, we have uh, uh, part and partial of decision making. Uh, our governance uh, will be respected, and uh, so, and we want to move from, you know, the the uh, you know the project will provide thousands of jobs. Uh, the benefits to uh, the local economy uh, will be realized. Um, you know, that's, this will allow uh, our First Nations to invest in uh, their own local uh, sport and recreation uh, programs, their health programs. I mean, it's higher pay for uh, local citizens. Um, you know, the, the nations will also invest in uh, resource uh, uh, development in their environments, you know, uh, resource uh, environment protection. Um and one of the key things here as well is it allows, when you have an economic uh, uh, revenue stream, it allows the First Nations to invest in, in our young people. And, I mean, that, that is our promise as not only the First Nations, but as Canadians. Investment in our young people and, uh, you know, uh, their culture, their recreation. So uh, that's uh, a benefit within itself. That'll uh, reap benefits uh, going forward as we grow as uh, as a country. Along with, uh, you know, it diversifies the uh, economic base and uh, also provides uh, for future uh, business opportunities and and economic growth going forward. Um, But one of the critical things that I think uh, 
the World War Taylor project will benefit the, the nations is the uh, reducing poverty. And that's so important that uh, we look at a, a ways that we can uh, reduce uh, poverty and a lot of our, our communities. Now, when it comes to uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan and Alberta uh, and Canada, I mean, of course, uh, you know, Manitoba benefits from the uh, revenue uh, of the power cells uh, related to the transmission revenues. Uh, Saskatchewan, again, will benefit from rural remote communities gaining access to fiber optics. And that improves uh, not only uh, connectivity for those communities when it comes to education, when it comes to health. Uh, there's so many spinoffs in that area. And at the same time, uh, opening uh, up uh, at the north for industry development, uh, such as mining. And of course, Alberta will benefit from the stable supply of uh, power uh, and access to the uh, tie water uh, for the export of hydrogen. Now, Manitoba, the economic impacts for Manitoba are directly related to the corridor. I mean, you're, you're, we're talking over, as I said, over a thousand jobs. Permanent 200 to 400 permanent jobs. Uh, we also look at, uh, you know, Canada. You know, how does Canada benefit? How do we, how, there, you know, well, well, Canada will benefit, of course, from a national uh, grid system. Uh, access to all weather road to the high north for, you know, as I said, for uh, uh, natural resources, but also for defense. And another way that Canada benefits is the economic intents of nations. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, for, for the first time, the Walla Tewa project will provide for the first time a source of re- recurring substantial revenue. And uh, finally, I guess I would say if uh, the revenues from the uh, Canada, Canada from the export of hydrogen, um, will uh, definitely provide a, uh, you know, a better balanced uh, trade relationships, uh, a better international reputation. So, I mean, and the Wawa project provides a win-win-win uh, for, for everyone. And that's the beautiful thing about this, uh, this project. And he described his own personal feelings about the project. You know what? I'm very excited. I think it was a milestone as far as uh, our our announcement uh, regarding the project itself. Um, and I'm excited for a number of different reasons. I think from the standpoint of a unified Treaty Five uh, nations unifying on a on a single uh, major initiative uh, with its p- potential, uh, really, uh, you know, is is unprecedented. Uh, in relation to, you know, where we've come from as a country. So I think uh, this is a really uh, exciting project. Um, I think the support is there from a unified First Nation uh, front. Um, the support is strong. It's growing. And uh, I think it's good for, for, for Manitoba as well. Uh, I think uh, uh, as we engage the various governments, I think they will see the value and uh, working with First Nations along with Canadians. I think it's good for Canadians uh, in many and various ways. So yeah, no, I'm totally very excited about it. And the potential that it'll have and the benefits that it'll have for not only our First Nations, but uh, our citizens. And uh, as we will be at the 
uh, decision making table uh, when decisions get made that are that are impacting our, our people. And finally, Sweeney described why the name was chosen. I will say the the Wawa Tewak name, uh, a Cree uh, word that translates into Northern Light, was chosen by Cree elders. And the indigenous teachings of the Northern Light uh, represent dancing happy spirits. And I think uh, the potential for this project, uh, you know, the name really reflects its potential and what it can do for First Nations. Uh, moving from uh, a social enterprise to a, you know, an economic strong, uh, healthy uh, a business enterprise. And I think uh, there's value in that. And there's value in that not only for First Nations citizens, uh, there's value in that for uh, Manitobans and Canadians alike. Finally, Rastafest is this weekend. It's the fest's 30th year this year. According to its website, it is, quote, Canada's largest celebration of Rastafari heritage and culture. To find out more about Rastafest and Thursday's event, tune in next week, where I'll be speaking to organizer Vivian Wilson, founder of Emancipation Month, Duet Lee, and Queen of Emancipation Month, Stacey Destiny Savory. That's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on Met Radio 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silva-Ponte. This episode was put together by myself. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.